What's up? What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome to the Sneaky Emu. The Sneaky Emu is a place where we have to discover the wonder and the beauty of God that is all around us and sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. My name is Seth, and I am the host of the casting of this pod. Uh, this is episode number 65, where we're going to talk about the Robinsons. The Robinsons that are a family from Switzerland. Do you, do you know them? <laughs> Mom, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope that today, wherever you are, whatever you're up to, I hope that today's going to be a great day for you. I'm going to start with the speaking, the with the blessing over you and your day. I'm blessing this day for you. Have a great one. I hope your hair and makeup are on point and that your outfit is to die for or whatever people care about when it comes to fashion and style. So... Episode number 65, the Robinsons from Switzerland that are a family together. Have you seen this movie? The Swiss Family Robinsons? The Swiss Family Robinson, I think, right? The old Disney movie. Uh, my kids and I recently watched, we recently watched this. And, you know, with, with, when you look at any of the more modern kids films and animated features and stuff they're so very well done because of our progression of technology and everything and it is occasionally difficult i think for kids uh, my kids age to watch stuff that's dated maybe you experience this yourself like depending on how old and when you grew up and everything um sometimes it's hard to watch some older type things uh so the other night we had put on the Swiss Family Robinson, like the new version, which <laughs> the new version, which is from 1960, which is really funny because my son Ezra was asking my mom if she had seen it, <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, "Have you seen the new Swiss Family Robinson?" And my mom was like, "They made a new one," because in her mind she's thinking of the 1960 version, but in his mind that was the new one because. I had told him that the one before that was from like 1930, which was in all black and white. <laughs> so yes, the n new 1960 version of the Swiss Family Robinson, kind of probably one of the more familiar ones. Um, this, by the way, is also this whole thing is I, I, my kids and I haven't watched Star Wars yet. And part of the reason is I'm not sure if how they'll, if they'll be into it or not, but I also don't know how to start like how to do the order to watch them because if you watch them in the order they came out compared to like the timeline order it, you know will they be able to follow that and my fear is if i start with the timeline order the all the prequel movies are newer ish so will the technology and and the feel of the movie like it start it'll start out better and then in the middle it will be like kind of worse <laughs> with the, like the original Star Wars trilogy and then get, I don't know, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of deep burdensome stuff I'm wrestling with over here. <laughs> Anyways, we're watching this movie, Swiss Family Robinson, and my kids are into it. I'm like, this is awesome. This is cool stuff. But I noticed something at the beginning of the film, uh, and, I, and I think this is happening with some of those older movies that Disney put out is that they put a preface. Have you seen this? Uh, on Disney Plus, at least. There's a preface for like 10 seconds that you can't fast forward 
and you can't really pause, but a preface comes up. It's a gray screen with white text. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and I saw this and was like, wait, what was that? And so I had to end and restart the movie like three times to read it. And then finally I was like, well, I should just take a picture of it. So I did. And I want to read to you um, the preface that they put at the beginning of the movie. Okay, so check this out. This is, and, and I know this is more than one. I think they do this in Pocahontas and you know several other ones. This is what they write. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, learn from it, and spark conversations to create a more inclusive future together. Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. Yeah, what do you think about that? I, I just find this so fascinating that Disney themselves are looking at some of their uh, older footage, older movies, animations, whatever, and they're realizing that what was commonplace for the day to say, to speak, uh, stereotypes, language, uh, worldviews, they're looking back at where they were and they're saying, oh man, we something was a bit off. There's something a bit off about what was said or done in this particular film. Some what was the what was the phrasings again? I just lost that. What was the phrasing? Uh, these stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this, we want to acknowledge it and its harmful imp impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. I think this is um, I think this is great. I mean, because and and we watched through that movie, and I didn't see anything, you know, uh, majorly off in the way of you know. Uh, I don't know, racial stereotypes, because it's it's really just one family on an island of you know, all these white people, uh, other than maybe the pirates are like Asian. <laughs> I don't know why the pirates are Asian. So watch it. But like one of the things that I kind of picked up on was like maybe gender stereotypes, gender role type stuff where they're in <laughs> they're supposedly on this desert island and the mom is wearing like a Victorian gown where she, she's got like a button up collar all the way to like, you know, all the way up her neck. And then her dress is like dragging on the ground. And meanwhile, the boys are like in, you know, uh, cut off, you know, khaki pants or something with no shirts on. And it's kind of like the whole boys will be boys. And, you know, the women are just there to serve kind of thing. Like maybe I could see that in that particular movie. But as far as like racial stereotypes and all that, I didn't pick up on much of that. But I just thought how fascinating it is. Um, that Disney is recognizing this and then saying, okay, we see it uh, rather than discard it. Let's learn from it so that we can move forward. Now there's a couple different uh, things that you could take away from that, obviously. But the thing that, that stands out to me is that essentially this whole, um, war it's not a warning preface, I guess is the best word is it really speaks to how, uh, it speaks to forward progress. It speaks to movement. It speaks to um, looking back in order to help us move forward. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like growing up <laughs> at any stage of life. You 
you always think you're like, uh, I don't want to, not the best version of yourself maybe, but in junior high, even, even though you're full of insecurity, you still feel like, uh, maybe you've got your stuff together. Like in, in high school, I dyed my hair a bunch of different colors. One of which was like tangerine orange. <laughs> it was a tangerine, like bowl cut surfer hair style thing. And I thought I was super cool. I thought I was super cool. And when I look back at some of these photos and I've got high school acne embraces and kind of a rounder, pudgier face, and then an orange surfer bowl cut, I kind of cringe. Do you know what I'm saying? But at the time, I thought, man, this is awesome. I'm really killing it. It's the same thing if you're older. If you look back at some of your pictures, uh, you know, from the 70s or 80s or whatever, and you look at your your big puffy hair from the 80s, or you look at your oversized sweaters with shoulder pads, whatever it is. At the time, we always think we're like kind of got it together. But then as we look back, we go, what? What, what were we thinking? What was I doing? I feel like this is what's happening with Disney. Like they thought they really had their stuff together. Now they're looking back and saying, oh man, like maybe that wasn't, that wasn't as good as we thought it actually was. And so I think we are always continually in this prog process, this progress. In fact, I was showing my kids, um, some, something came up and I was showing them some, some footage, just a, a couple of little things from, uh, my days of touring from being a tour manager, being on the road with the band and all this stuff. And I, I had scrolled through this scene, I didn't even remember, but I, I was, I don't know, running through the desert in jeans with no shirt, like an idiot, <laughs> just out in like, like Death Valley or something somewhere. And I, as I'm watching it now at 42, I'm looking at the, you know, uh, late 20 year old, early 30 year old Seth. And I'm like, and I got, I thought, man, I was in, I was in pretty good shape. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't like a like bodybuilder shape, but like I was in pretty good shape. Things were a bit tighter, a bit leaner, like, wow. Like, and so sometimes you don't even realize kind of the place good or bad where you're at, right? We just are, we think that's the way it is, whatever. So anyways, uh, as I'm, as I'm, uh, mulling over, this this statement from Disney at the front of their movie, I am just kind of struck with how this little this little slide this little scene here actually speaks to a much larger idea that I, I found really interesting. It speaks to kind of kind of like how how everything works. <laughs> Not that I'm overselling it, but it's <laughs> this slide these words that they put at the front of this movie speaks to how everything works. Uh, here's what I mean. For example, when you look at the universe, how it was created, what, what it's made of, how things move forward. If you look at the story of creation, let's start with that. The story of creation starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God speaks light into existence, speaks everything else into existence. And then and if you've been here around here before, you should have heard this a time or a thousand, is that uh, everything that God creates, God empowers it to his creation to also create, right? Grass creates more grass, trees create more trees, flowers create more 
plants. They don't create flowers specifically. Uh, fish create more fish, birds, more birds, humans, more humans. So from the very beginning of all things, everything is, is uh, expanding. The universe is expanding. Uh, everything is creating more of itself. And even, even if you look at uh, some of the sciences when it comes to the universe and how far out we can see into our universe, most science believes that uh, the universe is still expanding. Like things are still moving outward. Right? The whole thing is still growing. So aside from the things that are happening directly at our planet, the universe itself is continuing to expand. Now, the universe is made up of these things called like um, particles. And here's what's interesting about this ever-expanding universe is that as, as the universe and everything in it is expanding, it's also coming together it's expanding and coming together simultaneously to also continue to expand. <laughs> Does that make sense? Here's, here's what I mean. Okay, so you start with like the particle level of thing. You have all these particles that, that uh, create most everything. It's like the building blocks of the universe. So you take the particles. Particles, um, they come together and they make up atoms. And atoms make up everything. Atoms make up absolutely everything. They make up you. They make up me. They make up the car you may be riding in. They make up the road that you may be jogging on. They make up, uh, you know, salsa and guacamole. They make up chocolate. They make up everything. Everything that exists is made up of atoms. So atoms get together. So particles get together and make up atoms. Atoms get together and they make up molecules. Molecules... They get together and they make up all kinds of other things. They make up all kinds of things. And the important thing that they make up is cells. That's important to us because that's what makes up you. Your body is made up of all different kinds of cells. And the cells get together and they make up, make up uh, your tissues. And the tissues get together and they make up organs. And your organs can, again, make up you. So atoms bond with other atoms to make molecules. Molecules work together to form cells. Cells work, uh, come together to form tissue. Tissue forms, uh, come together to form organs and organs is what you are made of. What's interesting is that this whole process, it's like every time, every time something comes together, every time something comes together to form something new, that new thing <clears throat> will have some new qualities and properties about it. But it will also maintain the qualities and the properties of the thing before it. So for example, if you take a, a water molecule, a water molecule is made up of what? H2O. H2O. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Uh, what was that? <laughs> what? The water boy. That was uh, my apologies for the random distraction of myself. So H2O, um, two hydrogen atoms, one oxygen atom. So these atoms bond to form this new thing. Particles make atoms. Atoms form bond together to make this new molecule that we call water. But this water molecule contains at least the properties of the atom that came before it. So for each new layer of the universe that's formed, as things come together to create something new, each new layer contains at least the properties of the layers before it. 
So the universe is expanding, but it's also coming together, but it's also coming together for the sake of expansion and the creation of something new. Yeah? The whole thing is moving forward. But by moving forward, it's only in the coming together that we're able to take a step into the new thing. Whatever the next iteration of the combination of the current thing is. Still with me? I hope so. So this is how the universe works. This is, this is the pattern that we see in the created order. And so when it comes to something like humanity, us, people, um, the global community, the world citizens idea, if all these things come together to make up us, particles to atoms, atoms to molecules, molecules to cells, cells to organs, or cells to tissues, tissues to organs, organs to us, what is the next iteration? What is the next thing? What is, and, and some of you aren't going to like this word, what is the next evolution? What is the thing that, 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 what is the new thing that emerges from the coming together of humanity? If this is the, the, the path and the trajectory of the universe, what emerges next? What, what do you call it? What does it look like? What are the properties? Well, if everything maintains the properties of the thing before it as it creates the new thing, then the thing that should emerge from a unified humanity should be what? It should contain at least some sort of personhood, if you will. It should contain some sort of personhood. And really, <clears throat> when you look at the, the text of the Bible, I think what you see is that, that Paul is actually uh, on top of this. Paul talks about this a good bit. Paul informs us of what the new thing is that emerges from when humanity comes together. So let's see here. Uh, for example, in Romans, you have Romans 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have, have all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Uh, each member belongs to all the others. Right? Uh, in another place, he talks about how the, the body comes together and each part of the body has a role to play. So atoms come together to form molecules. Molecules come together to form cells. Cells come together for humans. And humans, when we come together, we form one larger body in which we have a role to play. Now, if you've grown up in church, you may be familiar with this whole concept, this idea of you know, we are, we are the body of Christ, all this stuff. But it's, it's often framed in light of, well, this is just how we are to think of one another. But I think what you see when you look at like the formation of the entirety of the universe is that it actually speaks, speaks to a much deeper reality of the whole thing. And, and really, this invitation into the body, or what Paul writes about as us being one, th this, is, this is an invitation to step into this divinely designed trajectory of the universe. There's this expansive movement. There's this forward progress to the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about? So things move forward. That's the way it was is designed. That's the way it functions. In fact, um, when you look at, uh, let's see, when you look, there's this incredible passage that to me uh, reveals a, a lot about who God is and what the next stage is for humanity. Um, 
in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, 15, 16, it says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So Paul says here that Christ has destroyed the barriers, the dividing wall of hostility, that in Christ there is this one new humanity. Right? I, I absolutely love this phrase and this idea, one new humanity. So as the universe is working, things are coming together to create something new, to continue to expand. There's a coming together for the sake of expansion. What do humans form when they come together? When they come together as one, they form one new body. We, through Christ, are forming this new humanity. Right? So when you look at the overarching like process, the progress of this whole thing, again, it's about this forward movement and expansion, but through coming together to continue to expand. So when you look at something like the Disney intro, what they're recognizing and realizing is that where they were wasn't where they are now, and that uh, as people have come together and as, have, as we have grown as humans, as, as we have become uh, more open, hopefully, to different uh, ways of thinking, as we've come, become more open to uh, different uh, races, I don't know, as the world has grown and as the world has become more interconnected, we, we look back and we realize that, oh, okay, we weren't where we should have been. And so we're, that whole preface to me speaks to this forward progress and forward movement. Like they're moving, they're acknowledging that there was something missing, that they're acknowledging that there was this separation or this division that was caused by these particular ways of thinking uh, from this particular generation that now we have moved forward from, hopefully for the better, right? So anything that, that is standing in opposition to a coming together is actually standing in opposition to the direction of the universe. <laughs> uh, again, not to oversell it. So for example, um, we had a, um, a couple things. There was a, this is a couple weeks ago, there was a neo-Nazi rally, like uh, about 10 or 15 minutes from where we live, made news, a bunch of people like, you know, hailing Hitler and yelling at Jews and telling people what's wrong with them. And, you know, a bunch of white people uh, wearing all black <laughs> with shaved heads, that sort of thing. They were like right in our backyard, having a little protest, made the news. Like that whole mindset is opposed to the movement of the universe because that mindset is about drawing lines and separation and uh, and not coming together. That whole mindset is, is dividing the humanity that's supposed to be coming together as one for the sake of creating this new humanity. That mindset is actually standing in opposition 
to the forward progress of who we are as human beings. So you look at stuff like that, and it's it's all over in in the world. But I think if if Disney can figure it out, maybe there's hope for us as well. Now, if you look at if you look at stuff in the Bible, what you see is that not only is this this trajectory, this forward progress and movement found within within the universe, you also see see it in the Bible. And sometimes it's something that that we don't even realize. There's a couple of things that happen in the Bible that we take as backwards and barbaric, but is actually quite forward thinking. Because what you see is progress and movement and taking steps forward. For example, when many people uh, object to the Bible or things like the Old Testament, especially the God of the Old Testament, one of the things is like the brutality that you see there. Sure, I get it. It is there. And I think it's there for a reason. And I think it's sometimes we misunderstand or overlook the reason. The whole concept, what is it, lex talionis, is that the word? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This, at some point, at some level, seems kind of like a bit archaic. If, if, if you take that as, like, as a literal sort of thing. Okay, well, you did this to me, so I get to do this to you. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, the Hatfield and McCoys. You killed one of us, we kill one of you. I, I'm sure I've talked about this for before, but it's the whole idea of the myth of redemptive violence. It was a, a, a term coined by Walter Wink in the 70s that uh, violence rarely, if ever, leads to peace. It just leads to more violence. So this concept, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, we read it and we go, okay, well, uh, God instituted this concept and idea and... It's, it's kind of brutal because in the New Testament, Jesus talks about like forgiving your enemies and loving your enemies. But here, there's like a sense of uh, retributive justice, right? But what you don't maybe realize is that at the time, for God to institute this, this law, this concept, was actually quite revolutionary. It was quite forward thinking, actually. Because before this moment, if you did something to me, kind of the, the general way of living was I could have an all-out retaliation with no limits or boundaries or barriers. So if you stole my goat, <laughs> if you wronged me, I, I, could, I could wage war against you and your family. I could come in and wipe out like you and your wife and your kids because you did me wrong and there was no, there was, there was no way to regulate to bring any sort of justice. So when God says, okay, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, uh, that's, a, that's a big step forward in human thinking and logic that says, okay, now we're going to limit the retribution to, to we're, we're going to put boundaries on this whole thing. If, if you steal my donkey or my goat or you know whatever, uh, I can't just destroy everything that you have. Uh, there's, a, there's a limit to it. I can, I can, I can take one of your donkeys. You know, so it actually paves the way for humanity to move forward. Uh, when you look at uh, the sacrificial system, you kind of see the same thing happening. Is that many people have the thought that the sacrifice that God instituted, created, and instituted the sacrificial system, like God just made this thing up. The whole idea being that, oh well, there uh, the people have sin, 
And so the sin has to be dealt with. And so the way we do that is by sacrificing all these animals, the shedding of the blood, the pouring out the blood on the altar so that we can roll back the sin until the ultimate perfect sacrifice that is Jesus comes and then his blood will cover us and all, all will be well. Well, what you have to realize is that I don't think God created the sacrificial system. What you have to realize is that when the people are in Egypt for something like 400 years, Egypt is a, is a very polytheistic country. And so they're worshiping and sacrificing to all these various gods. And you have to keep the gods happy so that you have a decent sort of life. So the people see and, and, and are starting to learn because God has like been kind of quiet as far as we know uh, up to, uh, during this time in the story. And so they're like picking up on and learning what the gods are like. Even if it's not their god, they're still getting glimpses of various gods. So there is just this nonstop sense of uh, sacrificing, of animal sacrifice. We have to keep the gods happy, even like the, the Egyptian gods, and there's a whole bunch of them, which means there's like, you know, we're killing animals left and right. Like it's going out of style. Like, because <laughs> we want to make sure everybody is at peace so that I can have a good life. So when Jesus, when Jesus, when God institutes the sacrificial system after they come out of Egypt, it actually is a very forward sort of thing. So although we, we may look at it now and go, it's weird that God would tell them to kill these animals to roll back this sin or whatever. But really, what God does by instituting the sacrificial system is that he limits or curtails their, the people's need for blood. Do you see? So rather than sacrificing all the time, anywhere, anybody can do it to all these various gods for whatever the reason is, this God says, no, I'm, I'm the one true God. And so the way we're going to do this is we're going to uh, put some boundaries in place in which now sacrifices can be, uh, will be made like at the temple at, at one particular place. They will be made by certain people that is the priest. And they will be made. Uh, the, the offering sacrifices will be made for specific like reasons. And so there's the the four. I think it's five different reasons for sacrifices. And by the way, I know I've talked about this. The first three of them, the first three uh, reasons for sacrifices, were a way to offer thanks and praise to God. Well, why would you want to do that at that time? Like it was a way to uh, respond essentially to the God that set them free. Well, you, your people have been enslaved for 400 years. Like this is a way to express gratitude, right? So it's God doesn't, and there's another passage somewhere. I forgot to write it down, but where God talks about like, do you think I need the blood of your bulls and your goats? I don't need, I don't need their blood. Like all the animals are mine, all this stuff. So where we look at the old at the sacrificial system and may think, well, it's a bit barbaric and backwards and, and it's weird and sure, I get it. I understand that. But also for the people at that time, this was a way for God to help move them forward. Do you see? Like so even in the the path, the narrative of the Bible, there is this forward movement. God is always bringing the people forward. So wherever you're at, it's not the end. Wherever you're at, uh, it may be okay, even if it's not okay in that moment. 
but that's not the end of the journey or the story, right? So as we move into the year 2022, uh, we have uh, we have this ability to look at our lives, to look at the like the overall movement of the universe, to look at the stories of the scripture, to look at things like Disney putting up this preface and say, okay, everything is moving forward. There is a progress and a, and a movement. Wherever you're at, good, bad, or ugly, there's always an opportunity for us to get better. This is how the whole thing works. And so thankfully, through something like Disney's preface, we can see, uh, it gives us the chance to see how far we have moved forward. Even if it hasn't been a ton, if that movie came out in 1960, we're talking about 62 years ago, uh, they're acknowledging that even within 62 years, the thoughts, the collective thoughts and ideas of humanity have be become more open and more inclusive, which to me is absolutely fascinating because that's what we see in the universe, in the story of the Bible. That's this idea of in inclusivity is the story of the church, is the story of humanity coming together to uh, in Christ to form one new humanity, is the story of of, of God rescuing the people from Egypt, giving them these rules. Here's where you're at. Here's how you understand the gods. Here's how you understand things to function. But now they're moving them forward. It's like the Old Testament is kind of, uh, is the preface to our Disney movie of the Bible. <laughs> the thing that, that they wrote for that, for that opening is parallels the stories of the Old Testament that help us to see, oh, yeah, we didn't quite have it figured out as much as we thought. Oh, yeah, my orange hair in high school maybe wasn't the best idea. <laughs> but that also, I think it also gives us hope. I think it also gives us a, a profound sense of hope because wherever we're at today, it means no matter, maybe maybe the idea of, is that we should be open to the things that are lying ahead of us that we are not aware of yet, that we should maintain a posture or mentality of, uh, of, of, I don't have it figured out yet. We should maintain the posture or the mentality that there's always room for growth. And so even though I feel like I have it figured out right now, uh, may, maybe I don't, maybe there's still room for growth and process and progress. And maybe when I, when you look at at uh, our country, when you look at our world, is it possible that if if 60 years later we're looking back at these movies going, okay, yeah, we realize and recognize, we, we own, we name this thing that was off, that we, we acknowledge the ways that we didn't get it right for the sake of moving forward, right? Isn't this what the, some of the Old Testament is doing as we look at these things? Okay, yeah, it's not where we want it to be, but this was part of the process to help get us to where we are, which means that as we move into the year 2022, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself on a personal level, on a global level, whatever it is, like the hope is that there's still movement. The hope is that the universe is expanding and moving forward. So for us, maybe we can expand and move forward too. Maybe there, maybe there is hope for... <laughs> 
for your parents' way of thinking. <laughs> uh, there's this guy, uh, I've talked about him, that I go visit uh, every other week or so. This old white guy is in his, I don't know, mid-80s or something like that. And, uh, man, the way he talks about people, uh, it, it, I, I cringe a little bit. I love the guy to death. He would do anything for just about anybody. But the way he's just, you know, he's an 80-something-year-old dude that grew up in the South, and he has particular thoughts and ideas about people. And, uh, uh, yeah, if you know what I'm talking about. So and sometimes I look at guys like that, and I'm like, there's – is there any hope? <laughs> is there any hope that humanity can move forward? Yeah, I think there is because what's going to happen is uh, there there will be progress because slowly uh, and but surely that thinking will literally die out. It will die off, and hopefully the generations that come after him. We're coming to a point now where even in Disney movies. They're recognizing and acknowledging what was going on before maybe wasn't the best. So there, there is this hope. And it really, there was this, there was a science book that came out, uh, I got a while ago. It's called This Idea Must Die. <laughs> and it was, it was entirely focused on the science community, but it was like, what are all the things that we must stop doing in order to move forward with in, in the realm of science? And so all these like big name scientists were like writing, you know, little chapters about, oh, we need to stop thinking about this issue this particular way because one, we, you know, we've proved otherwise or two, whatever. But the whole premise of the book was to help move, move the scientific community forward, which I thought was really fascinating. To me, it's kind of like, um, that's also what the Bible is doing. Like it's highlighting these things about particular ways of thinking, about particular groups of people at a particular time at a particular place, I think for the sake of helping us move forward. And then when you get into some of the New Testament stuff, Paul Paul writes an awful lot about moving forward. Uh, we we hear an awful lot about in Christ we are one. We he talks like he said in Ephesians, like in Christ the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, the barriers, the thing that separated were divide were uh, that divided them, were put to death. They, they were destroyed. Um, the cross put to death their hostility so that in Christ there is this one new humanity. So as we step into the year 2022, right? let's keep an eye out for movement forward. Let's acknowledge and own the ways in the past that we haven't been as good as we thought or should. Let's own and acknowledge the ideas that may have been harmful and address them in a way that allows us to move forward. What are some things for you? Maybe there's some specific things, ideas, um, ways of being, ways of thinking that maybe aren't the healthiest, that maybe <clears throat> um, you've thought in the past, yeah, I've really got this stuff together. My orange hair looks great. <laughs> my, my, my giant perm was fantastic. Maybe we do some self-examination in the now to see what's not the healthiest for the sake of moving forward, for the sake of uh, coming together, for the sake of being more inclusive. Are there ways that you're living now that divide or exclude or separate people? 
the only way we're going to be able to move forward is by acknowledging these things, is by looking at our old photo albums and realizing that at the time that we thought we had it all together, we didn't. So there's always room for growth. Maybe the way we move forward is by being open to the realization that we don't have it all together. So in 2022, maybe, maybe we, like Disney, can address some of our past, some of our history, and look forward to a new humanity, look forward to a new way of functioning. Maybe we can begin to better align ourselves with the trajectory of the universe that is always moving forward, always progressing, always coming together for the sake of expansion, because that's how the whole thing works. So there you have it, my friends. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number 65, The Robinsons, the family of Swiss, the Swiss family Robinsons, the Robinsons that were a family from Switzerland. They got stuck in an island. <laughs> and mom wore a Victorian gown and carried an umbrella. <laughs> uh, we got to get out of these stereotypes, I think. I think, I think. All right, I'm sending you all the love. I hope that you have a wonderful, absolutely wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, big shout out to uh, some people who were asking about the podcast. So I want to say thank you to the people who asked because it made me feel loved. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you to, uh, uh, there's a good, it was like, it was kind of funny because it was all like the same day, like or same two days. I talked to my brother. He said, hey, you done with the podcast? I said, no, I just, uh, it's been a minute. I'm getting back to it. And then I talked to my mom. She said, hey, where's the podcast? Then my mom said she talked to my aunt and she said, hey, where's the podcast? I'm having to re-listen. So Aunt Zaina, this one's for you. <laughs> to Patty, to Mitchell, to all the people that asked, uh, and to the couple of people that sent me a little line, this is for you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for caring. You've given me the, you are the wind beneath my wings. You are the wind beneath my... Okay, I gotta go. Bye. We're here to unlearn.